Hello everyone, I'm Izzy Wells and welcome to Hot Stuff, where we discuss current hot topics that we think deserve your attention. From social issues to popular culture, we'll be keeping you up to date on relevant and unique Taiwan-related content every Tuesday. Now, my very special guest for today is Phil Hardman. Phil is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of BBC Studios Asia. He recently came to Taiwan for PTS's 2023 International Symposium. I had the pleasure of hearing him speak and I was also lucky enough to be able to speak to Phil. We discussed things from his personal career journey to what we can expect to see from the BBC Studios across Asia in the future. I was looking at your background um, and I I found it quite interesting because you actually have a background in like risk management and finance. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah, So how did you, how does that help with your current position? Like how did you kind of make the transition to like focusing on, on, on like this Asia market and quite a different role to what you first started with? Yeah. I mean, it's very different to where I started. (laughs) So my, my background is I originally worked for an accounting firm and did my chartered accountancy qualifications and I worked in the risk management area. During that time, I never did statutory audit type work or statutory tax type work. I did a lot of risk advisory work. So that's looking at processes, looking at controls. And it's very dry if you kind of just try and describe it. But actually, where I spent my time was with management of organizations, thinking about the risk profile of the operations. I spent a lot of time in the education sector. So I worked with lots of big universities in the UK and I review everything from you know, there's some financy areas, you know, like capital management and their property strategy, but right through to their kind of data quality strategy and their marketing plans and how do they attract the right students. And, you know, all of those areas, I kind of continued through when I joined the BBC and I was very lucky when I joined the BBC to, to join in a kind of BBC group function that gave me the opportunity to see lots of the organisation, everything from our BBC news operations, both in the UK and internationally, through to our, lots of our commercial operations, again, in the UK and internationally. And those the, that kind of knowledge of finance and risk management continues to be really valuable today. What I found is that just over time, I wanted to move from being, you know, advising on areas, because a lot of that, that work, and even when you're in finance, you, you give advice, you give that, but you're not responsible or accountable for, for mm-hmm. delivering the business or delivering the activity. And over time, I collected those responsibilities. And ultimately, I've ended up in a position where I'm leading the commercial teams across BBC Studios in Asia for our distribution business. And that's, you know, that means that I'm leading, you know, our two core business lines here, which is kind of our channels and streaming services and, our, you know, distribution business of our content, audio and all other areas across most of Asia. And what that means is that I, I get to use those early skills every day because they're important for decision making they're important for determining your strategy um and the truth is is that they're also helpful for knowing when to go for advice mm. because i used to go, <laughs> i used to be the one giving advice and now i recognize look i have my limitations yeah and i'll go and ask people for their view or go and get some piece of work done and think that you know that's also important uh, mm. for me in my current role and let's talk more about kind of how you're you know responsible for the audience in asia and you you did start in bbc london so was that a kind of challenge that you you came when you're kind of focusing on the market in asia like certain understandings that you felt that you might have had had to learn yeah definitely you know i think i think it would be it would be impossible 
to really portray yourself as an expert on every part of not even every part of the Asian media kind of mm. landscape because it is so diverse. You've got markets here that feel a bit more familiar. Mm. You know, you've got certain territories where, you know, and we were talking just before we started recording about, you know, we've got communities of British people in other territories right. or communities who grew up watching some British content. So they've got affinity. Then you've got audiences who, who've never had that experience and you're trying to serve them as well. And I think that transition is difficult because mm. I came with a skill set and a knowledge set. I, I, I knew about the BBC's operations. I had a skill set in that kind of finance and risk management world. So that was applicable. But I had to spend, and I continue to spend a huge amount of time following the lead of the teams that we've hired in the region. You know, if you want to understand the Taiwan media landscape, we have people based in Taiwan to help advise on that and to help tell us where to go and of course we you know people like me help with the context of the organization and the strategy overall but in terms of understanding the individual parts of asia and looking for the synergies between different parts of asia that really is about hiring the right people in the right places to, to guide me so that regional kind of like partnership having people in those areas is like super key um, and you did say that you think that Asia is the most innovative and exciting place in the world for this industry. And there's a huge amount of opportunity. What do you think makes it so exciting and innovative? It is so exciting because it has to be. You've got just huge audiences here, huge individual territories, but then you've got commonality of taste, commonality of some cultures across different places. The innovation in this part of the world is rapid because you've got huge you know, there's a big startup culture, for example, and you're seeing some of those startups in the media world becoming really quite big. You've got not only big video platforms being built out of multiple territories in Asia, but you're also seeing gaming companies, you're seeing Web 3.0 companies, you're seeing, you know, Taiwan in particular is at the heart of a lot of this industry, you know, with the semiconductor industry. And, you know, you have innovation in, in this part of the world that is driving the rest of the world. And in, from a content perspective, you're also seeing a lot of innovation. In my time in Asia, which has not been that long in the grand scheme of things, you've seen really rapid development of production capabilities, the types of production that we're seeing. You know, the quality of the content that's produced in Asia is incredibly high now. You know, if you look at, you know, some of the dramas that are being produced, not only in Taiwan, but also in places like Thailand, you know, Korea in particular, they're really high quality, great casting, great scripting, great production values, and they travel well. And I think that what we are seeing in this part of the world is the next frontier of growth for a lot of big media organizations. You know, we are seeing... Lots of growth out of Europe, lots of growth out of the US. But ultimately, if you look five years or 10 years down the line, everyone needs to have a a footprint in, in Asia that is much bigger than it is today. And I think that's just incredibly exciting for, for, the, for BBC Studios, but for the whole industry. Would you say some of the unique challenges then of your job that are specific to dealing with the Asian market that those managing different areas of the world wouldn't encounter? I think for BBC Studios, what we we are a global media company with operations all over the world, but the majority of what we make and what we distribute is British. And in the Asian territories, there's a lot of competition. Not only are you competing with other English language offers from the US studios mainly, but also the local content is so strong. You know, Asian content is incredibly strong and it resonates with the audience in a different way. 
So what, what is distinctly challenging but distinctly important for us and, and actually part of the excitement for me is the place that the BBC holds for people. We, we do stand for quality. We are trusted. And we do have parts of our operations and parts of our, our pipeline which are world leading. So I think we are challenged in the sense of we are not necessarily producing most of our content in the language that people speak every day. We're not necessarily so familiar to our audiences, particularly outside of news. I think I think the entertainment offer from the BBC is something that we have to educate the audience what we do. Mm-hmm. Then we have to educate why people should come to us and watch it. And I think that that's an added layer. Whereas I think if you look in territories like the US or territories like Europe or Australia even, people know our content output a bit better. Uh, and I think we work incredibly hard, particularly for our channels and streaming business. We work very hard with our partners to make sure that that's well understood and well promoted to the audience. Because there is an audience for quality content in Asia. And I think there's an audience for BBC Studios content. And let's talk more about like you and in your role. What does an average day look for, like for you? Some people might be curious, what do you actually get up to? I'm sure it's a very packed day. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, I... I'll be honest with you, I'm working on what my average day looks like <laughs> at the moment. I think, you know, I've just had a big life change. We we had a baby only nine months oh, ago, yeah, which has changed. Thank you very much. But it's, it's, and it's changed the importance of various things in my life. I'm trying my best to find, you know, thinking about the average day, I'm trying my best to find a way of connecting with my teams across the region every day. That's incredibly important for us. We've got to make sure that people have what they need to do their jobs well. They've got to feel empowered. So it's about connecting with people. So every day I will have calls with my various offices. You know, the scene, I'll paint the picture for the listeners. I'm sat in front <laughs> of my laptop with a microphone, talking to Izzy uh, in a different country. This is very familiar for me. Mm. I often speak to our customers and our partners in the region. We've got a big range of partners from big, big pay TV and, and telco platforms. Um, and, and, and S4 platforms in, in the various markets. So in, in Taiwan, for example, our service is available on on uh, Tsinghua Telecom, uh, on MOD, Elta. Uh, we have partnerships with My Video, but we also have partnerships with broadcasters like PTS, which are very, very long-standing and very important to us. With PTS, they carry some of our children's content, some of our factual content. We have also partnerships with pay TV operators like YoYo TV in, in Taiwan. But that's also true in our other territories. So that's also true in, in Japan. We've got a big partnership with NHK, but also with Unext and Amazon Video Japan, et cetera. So I would connect with some of those customers as well. There'll be some strategy stuff in there. You know, we will spend time. Really, we've got big ambitions as an organization. You'll have, you'll have maybe seen in some, of the, in, in some of the coverage recently that we've doubled the scale of our business in the last five years, and we are aiming to double the game in terms of our revenue and returns into the BBC. That takes a lot of thinking, a lot of planning. Uh, and so, you know, every day I will have part of my day that is thinking not about this year. It's not about immediate problems. It's about the long-term mm. strategy. And then the other bit that I'll try, I'm really trying to do now, and this is this is the truth, is trying to find a little bit of headspace for myself. You know, I think it's very easy when you're in a role like mine to just pack every day with meetings and they're valuable meetings, and I hope I'm delivering value for my team and for the organisation. But you do just need time to let things breathe. You do need time to think and reflect 
And that is something that I'm really trying to fit into my average day as well. I'll be honest with you, I'm not quite there <laughs> on that thing. But I think that's really important for, for people in my role as well. So that that's how it looks. That headspace thing, I think, sounds sounds very valuable. I can imagine it's harder to Im- implement in reality. And how do you measure personal success in this role then? It is, for me, it's about am I am I doing what is needed to help my team really be effective you know I, I i believe as a leader you are in service of your team you know it is my responsibility to help with direction not help to set the direction in fact you know people don't follow you because you're super smart or because you you know you've got the most qualified. they follow you because you know where you're going and they believe that you can take you can take people there and i think that's that's something i really try to do for my team is have clear direction i try and be as flexible as possible being too fixed in mindset or expectations doesn't work in an innovative market like this Mm. you've got to be adaptable you've got to iterate test and learn and you've got to be comfortable with making mistakes and and learning lessons and i think all of those things are are what i'm trying to do every day to be effective for for my for my team for the organization but actually you know it's not entirely selfless at the end of the day when you're wrapping up, you know, that final email and you think, oh, I, I did help those mm. five people today. I felt like that thing is on track again because I helped them. You get a warm feeling about that. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, not every day feels like that. Again, it's not about beating yourself up. It's about taking the time to think, what are the lessons from that? How could we have done things differently? I think, as I said, we've got really big ambitions for BBC Studios. You know, we've got our Earth Channels in, in 20 million homes. We're in a, a whole lot of other homes uh, in addition to that. We've got great distribution for our kids channels we've got bbc player which is our kind of multi-genre digital service in in a couple of markets hopefully more to follow all of those things require a lot of steering a lot of adjustment and it's about how do i make sure that i'm helping with that and going right back to what i said at the start don't get in the way of the teams that know these markets incredibly well Mm. listen to them take feedback and understand what's needed and all of those things that's what i'm looking for that's what personal success is it's not about the result on the day it's about am i doing the right things to deliver the result in the long term let's talk more about uh, bbc studios and the strategy in east asia so why should audiences in East Asia be interested in BBC Studios content? We've got something for everyone. We're incredibly, I'm incredibly lucky to work for such a productive organisation. Yeah. You know, we, we produce over 2,000 hours of content every year, another few hundred hours of content internationally. We've got a catalogue of, you know, 50-odd thousand hours. And we've got kind of content that goes from preschool all the way through. And I think that is why audiences should come to us because we we can offer not only a incredibly safe space for children to, in, to enjoy educational content on our CBBS channel or on BBC Kids. We've got, you know, our content on our lifestyle channel, which is really about that kind of food. It's about lifestyle. It's about travel. We've got BBC Earth, which is truly beautiful. You know, we've got some of the best natural history content in the world, some of the best science content, some of the best engineering, health and medicine content. All of those things, I think, speak to different audiences. Mm. And then in our digital offer, we add to that, you know, fantastic scripted content, fantastic comedy content. And I think that that's just in the entertainment space. And then from a news perspective, we're very lucky in APAC and we've worked very hard to get to a position where 
we have over 30 million people across across the APAC region coming to the BBC News Channel or to BBC.com every week. Yeah. That is that is really phenomenal work, I and mean, that could grow even more. And I think what we're trying to do as an organisation is be in the right places for our audiences to find us. As I said, try and educate them on what we have to offer. I think some of the stuff I've just listed there, some of your audience won't be aware that we yeah. have a comedy catalogue, a scripted <laughs> catalogue or children's content. But I think that I would encourage people to come and try what we're doing because I, be I truly believe there is something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it will really speak to them and they'll become really avid. For other people, they'll come and they'll enjoy some of our content and then they will go and watch another service or watch other content. That's okay. Yeah. We're not trying to be everything to everyone. Even I watch content on other services. I won't promote them here, but even I watch content on other services. But that sure. that's important as well. Yeah. That, and, and to be honest with you, even some of our content that we produce is available on other services. So, for example, you know, we've got co-productions with HBO and Warner. You know, Rain Dogs is on HBO at the moment. His Dark Materials is fantastic. You know, that is really, really beautifully done. Those are co-productions with BBC Studios. So it's not only on our own branded services, we're also producing and distributing. So I think I would just encourage kind of listeners to, to check out some of our stuff at a minimum. Yeah. You know, come and have a look at our channels and streaming and come and have a look at our YouTube presence and, and just see what you can find. And I think you'll find something. The things that we're finding really work for us actually internationally mm -hmm. are there's a title called Ghosts. It's a brilliant show. I think it's got four seasons already. We've made a US version of it as well, um, uh, which is doing incredibly well. Again, it's about those common stories, those common themes that work. And you were recently in Taiwan. Let's talk more about BBC Studios uh, and Taiwan's partnership, what we could expect there. So you can expect us to still be, you know, our, particularly our factual content, our children's content, to be available on public broadcasters in many of our territories. Mm -hmm. But then we have our portfolio of linear and digital uh, services so those are available widely in Taiwan you know our digital service in particular you know on my video we've got lots of content on Cash Play Plus there's lots of content where we are evolving our strategy in the region though is to think about I think audiences come to us because we are the BBC and they're mm -hmm. expecting to see you know just key titles are expected to see we're, and they're expected to see British content we're trying to find opportunities particularly in factual content and children's content where we can co-produce where we can find topics that really work for Taiwan and work in the rest of in the world. That's also true for other territories in Asia. And I think you can expect to see us find collaborations, find ways of making content that's really relevant. Mm. I think the scripted space, you know, you, you reference some of the stuff that, um, you know, Netflix are doing and others are doing. Scripted is is we our strategy in the region broadly is to do adaptations of our shows. We've had really great success in South Korea. Uh, we're, we're doing some great titles in, in Southeast Asia as well. I think, and India, I mentioned earlier, we, we've got really fantastic production business there. I think there's more of that for, that we can do as well, you know, taking those stories that resonate uh, and making them relevant. I think I'm open to the idea that we would do even more. As mm -hmm. I said, you know, this is this is a frontier of growth for us. And I think to be a a global media company, we need to be, thinking about what is our production and distribution strategy in the region? How do we make sure that we're collaborating, you know, with local partners to make content together? And I think we will hopefully have more to talk about in those areas in the next few years. But as I said, you know, on my average day, we've got those strategy sessions where we're thinking about how do we bring that to life? And 
as I said, I think for us, it, you know, in that factual and that kid space, I think there's a lot of scope. I think scripted is trickier. Um, uh, but as I say, we've got roots there where we can do more. Mm. One of the areas that I would say is interesting for for us as well is we think about that kind of the BBC News offer in the region and how we cover issues in the region. We have a big news presence in, in across all of Asia, including including Taiwan. That's something that's very important to our right. output. You know, we're, we're trying to be relevant to audiences by by having that. And the BBC's mission is to inform, educate and entertain. Now, what responsibility does BBC, BBC Studios have to inform, educate and entertain, not just in Taiwan, like bringing BBC, BBC to Taiwan, but also relating Taiwan issues back to the UK? I think that, you know, that is at the core of what we stand for as an organisation. And that permeates through through all of our content. You know, if you watch our natural history, you know, if you watch if you watch Frozen Plane 2, which came out um, just a while ago, available on BBC Earth in Taiwan, if people are interested. But if you watch Frozen Plane 2, it not only is incredibly, it's stunning and it's entertaining and it's informative about the world, but also it touches on sustainability and it touches on environmental change. And then there's other more specific titles like Climate Change, The Facts or um, extinction, which which sit in that space. So we are trying to embed those values in all of our content. You know, you mm. will see it in even in our kind of non-news content. Mm. I think in terms of the how does that relate to bringing Taiwan issues back to the UK? I think there's there's two parts to it. One, you know, very clearly is in that kind of news piece. You know, mm. as I said, we and that's not just about Taiwan. That's about bringing the world to the UK. You know, we've got a news presence in most territories in the world, not everywhere. Uh, and there's various reasons why that's the case, but we are we are our ambition is to be in as many places as possible, gather news, bring that back. So that is part of it. But also it's the area we were just talking about. It's about how do you find those factual stories? Is there a story about Taiwan? Is you know, it's beautiful. It just mm. is a stunning country, great, you know, fantastic kind of culture, history, really interesting. That is a story that can be told and actually the way that we're thinking about that as bbc studios is us producing a piece of content about that territory, it, that can work mm. us co-producing a piece of content is probably even better because yeah. with a local producer you might get a different flavor you might get access to different areas so those those are the areas that we're thinking about and you know those apply you know to taiwan specifically but also to, to lots of you know to all of asia but you know to lots of territories around the world of how do we participate as a global media company in those territories and and I think it is about those two areas. Yeah, I think that would be really really great to see. And last question for you, what does the future look like for BBC Studios in Asia and more specifically Taiwan? It extremely bright. I feel really confident about our ability to be closer to audiences in Taiwan, to do more in these territories to be more available. You know, this is such a big region with such incredible talents, so many exciting people, so much, so many exciting innovations that I feel really pleased that we are focusing more on the growth potential here. 
and I'm really looking forward to seeing what what we can do in the next few years. Well, it sounds like a very exciting future. I'm I'm excited to see to see where where it goes. Hopefully, I'll be watching iPlayer at some point. <laughs> <laughs> a version of a version, a version of, of. <laughs> we should be we should be very soon. Audiences in Taiwan will be excited. We will very soon, hopefully, uh, be launching even more digital services with our partners in Taiwan. So look out for look out oh, for that. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure. Thanks, Izzy. Thank you. And listeners, I will see you next week. Bye.